0: Working Class Intelligentsia, a podcast for working class intellectuals about Antonio Gramsci. Start from episode one, or jump around to whatever episode looks interesting. At the end of the last episode, I said we would be discussing Gramsci's response to strands of anti-intellectualism among the working class. I realized we need a little context to understand the significance of the workers' anti-intellectualism in part as a rejection of the intellectuals of the capitalist class and more specifically intellectuals of the Enlightenment. The Enlightenment was ex- not ex- the Enlightenment was not exclusively nor explicitly capitalist, but after describing the Enlightenment I will attempt to draw the connection between the Enlightenment and capitalism a connection that Gramsci took for granted, and talked about over and over throughout his writings. I will also argue that capitalism failed to fulfill the promises of the Enlightenment, and socialism is a renewed attempt to truly fulfill its promises. There is no consensus about the boundaries of the Enlightenment, though there is agreement about the ideas at the center of the movement. I will prioritize the philosophical ideas driving it, I see philosophy as the discipline struggling to solve the problems created by each of the other disciplines that defined the Enlightenment, the scientific revolution and its challenges to Christianity, the political debates arising out of growing capitalist and working classes, and the complex interdependent international economies that emerged as a consequence. We'll spend at least two episodes on the Enlightenment, This episode, Part One The Scientific Revolution. One of Marx's contributions to philosophy was the idea that economics determines what ideas become popular, rather than the other way around. Ideas justify power, after the fact, more than they convince anyone of anything. The capitalist class experienced the Enlightenment as a justification of their growing hegemony, yet failed to apply it to the empowerment of the workers. Instead, they use their ideology to justify to the workers that selling their labor on the free market is in their best interests. Gramsci mostly accepted this account of ideas, but many Marxists criticize Antonio Gramsci for the importance he nonetheless placed the power on the power of ideas to affect change in the world throughout his writings. Gramsci presumes the role of ideas as a necessary component that led to the French Revolution and the wider victory of the capitalist class in the late 18th century as the hegemonic class over the aristocracy. The ideas that motivated the French Revolution came out of the Enlightenment. There is no tidy description of the Enlightenment, but the various discourses of the Enlightenment make a logical grouping. The ideas of the Enlightenment were not explicitly capitalist, but the capitalist class used them to serve their interests, to legitimize their policies and politics. The French Revolution was a symbolic moment when the capitalist class became the hegemonic class in France and throughout Western Europe. The ideas useful to the growing capitalist class both resonated at the time and became canonized as the capitalist class cemented its place as the ruling class. The scientific revolution was one of the key ingredients of the Enlightenment. Long before it, in ancient Greece, Aristotle wrote multiple texts on the natural sciences. We have Aristotle to thank for the foundation of what we call science. For example, he created the first documented taxonomy of the animal kingdom. Maybe he did not observe the scientific method, but about a quarter of his surviving texts are zoological. His texts were lost to the Christian world through much of the Middle Ages. The Muslim world preserved the texts of his that we still have. In the 13th century, the Christian world was reintroduced to his works. Unfortunately, at that time, many of the people who read Aristotle failed to follow his example. Instead, they accepted his authority, fusing his works on the natural sciences with Christian theology as though it were church doctrine. The Enlightenment and the Scientific Revolution were really about when this changed. The Scientific Revolution gave us the seed of the scientific method that we have today. The primitive scientific method utilized skepticism as a means to finding an intersubjective verifiable truth. They wouldn't have described it in these terms exactly, but you get the point early Enlightenment philosophers prioritized skepticism, asking questions like, how do we know anything? Science said we must have independently verified results in order to claim we have arrived at the truth. Philosophers will criticize science for overreaching, especially with time. But the point is that the church doctrine was no longer accepted on faith. The scientific revolution started in the 16th century Many cite, as the beginning of the scientific revolution, Copernicus's publication of On the Revolutions of the Heavenly Spheres, when he announced that the earth revolves around the sun rather than the other way around. People attacked his theory, hurling quotes from the Bible and Aristotle, but Copernicus's discovery occurred because he allowed the evidence to override accepted religious doctrine and other deeply held dogmas. Science changed the foundation of society. This transition did not happen overnight. The natural sciences continued to rely on theological claims in many areas and probably still do, but as the Enlightenment progressed, the willingness of scientists to question the church grew. Okay, we will stop here. We've only gotten started, but it is about to get much more complicated. Next time we will discuss Philosophies attempt to resolve the philosophical problems opened up by the scientific revolution.